0: Connecting dots is how I view my role, um, and I think a really good business owner. I remember Bedros at one point. He said, "If I'm, if I'm doing my job as a leader." it looks like I'm doing nothing. So you have a passion for fitness and the desire to start your own business, but launching a
1: massively successful fitness business is extremely complex. The systems, operations, hiring, firing, coaching, sales, and marketing are critical to success. Where do you even start? This show will give you the answers. Here is Bedros Koulian and Bryce Henson, your hosts of the Fitness Franchise Podcast a show dedicated to helping fitness entrepreneurs launch and grow successful gyms. Today's episode is another amazing one as our guest is a friend of mine who's also a peak performance expert. He is also a board certified chiropractor in the state of New Jersey. He's a level five full body certified integrative diagnosis provider. He's also a full body certified active release technique provider, also known as ATR. He's a graduate from New York Chiropractic College and Franklin and Marshall College, and he's also the owner and founder of Barefoot Rehab in Denville, New Jersey. Dr. Chris Stepien, welcome to the show, my friend. Super excited to have you.
0: So happy to be here, Bryce. Thanks so much, man.
1: Awesome. Well, we got a lot to cover today in your zone of geniuses and kind of all the healing that work that you do. But before we get there, uh, share with the audience uh, your backstory.
0: How did it all come to be? Yeah, man, I love it. Um, I've definitely been a seeker all of my life as somebody who has struggled with enormous amounts of anxiety, depression, shame, suicidal ideation. So I remember when I was in second grade that I was already being called to the healer path. I wanted to be a veterinarian. I wanted to work with animals or an American gladiator, veterinarian or American gladiator. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I'm not a good enough athlete for the American gladiator thing. So the healing path just really called to me. Um, and then just struggling with being happy and joyful as an adolescent and teenager. Um, I remember being, I think, 11 years old in seventh grade, and I was getting blacked out drunk um, outside of my house. And I remember at one point, like, walk uh, sprinting around my house, butt-, butt naked. And I remember looking down at my my penis, and I had no pubic hair at the time. And the reason okay. that's, I knew, I knew that I was way too young to be doing this shit. I was way <laughs> too young to be so miserable and to be blacking out and throwing up all over my father's house. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just struggled through high school and in college, I started burning myself with coat hangers and heat up on the stovetop. So I have brands all over my body. Um, I created this fake wallet with fake dollar bills so I could go and get jumped in the bad part of town. Um, I got Taken home by the police one time. I started crying in the car how miserable I was. He's like, you need a therapist. Um, Just really self-torturing things. So um, I played football in college. Football saved my life. I was always into fitness. And then I ended up um, being called to chiropractic school. I wanted to heal people without man-made medicines. I was never really called to that path. And that's pretty much where I ended up where I am today.
1: Yeah. Well, one of the things that I just, for me, made a big impact when we first met is like your vulnerability because you're, you're a healer. You're such a good guy. Like your heart is, is gold. And that's just something I see. It's very noticeable for me. Um, but it's interesting that you share your vulnerabilities, insecurities, failures, etc. cetera. Um, how do you think that's really helped you and really helped your clients? Because it's made a huge impact on me.
0: I, I love it. Well, so I I. I think part of my – we're going to get to Zona Genius, but one of my things that I think I'm really good at navigating is the emotional palette that homo sapiens human beings have access to. Mm -hmm. And I learned probably in my single digits, seven, eight, nine years old, that Mm -hmm. um, shame – is an emotion that we have when we don't feel worthy. And that usually comes from other people or society or teams or schools putting expectations on us that aren't coming from ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so um, a lot of my suicidal ideation has come from me feeling like I had to be something else for somebody who's not me. Mm -hmm. And so um, at this point, I express myself. Um, a lot of people say I overstep boundaries with how I over- I share myself. But what I've learned is that if I start um, putting myself in a box and not expressing who I am for any specific reason, that shame, depression, and suicidal ideation will come back very, very, very quickly. Um, and I find that a lot of people are allergic to me. And that's perfectly okay but i mm-hmm. also find that there are other people who very deeply want healing and yep. those people often thank me for the sharing of my vulnerabilities cuz then they feel comfortable in sharing the shit that that they've been holding holding on to and holding back back from sharing
1: and would you say would you would it be fair to say that as a unique as a genius for you or and or i should say like why you've been so successful as a healer cuz people actually do really feel comfortable and open up with you
0: Yeah. I mean, it's such a vital piece of healing, um, especially when you're in the chronic pain world or anxiety, depression, all this other stuff is that if people don't feel safe to share something because they don't trust you, they're Mm going to hide things that they don't realize are important to walking the path. So I do think that If people feel comfortable enough with me to trust me because I've shared first and then they can share, it's going to allow them to go way deeper, way faster into healing paths so they can actually live the lives that they want.
1: Yeah. And also to acknowledge you, it's interesting. You said sometimes people are allergic to you, which is interesting perspective. Um, but one thing I noticed, at least in my observations of, you know, being getting to know you the last couple of years is you're just authentic. So while for me, maybe, you know, you're saying that you come off too strong or however you come off to people that are allergic to you. For me, it, it comes off as, as authentically genuine because the, the energy that you radiate is just who you are. And I think people are gravitate to that. And at least speaking for myself, I certainly am.
0: Yeah, I mean that's who I want to be. So that's who I want my sons to be is I don't want them to be hiding themselves for anybody and I want to be associated with people like yourself and friends and family and business colleagues who are their true selves. Because then if I see something that they're signaling subconsciously to me that something's off, then my subconscious goes like, "Okay, watch them because that was not true. So I love that about you. (laughs)
1: Awesome, man. I'll well, appreciate that. Well, um, lots of ground to cover. Um, I want to kind of transition because a lot of our, our audience are either entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs. They want to take that next yeah. step and either own a fitness business or some other franchising model. Yeah. So I want to talk about your experience as an entrepreneur. But before we do, I know you had a CrossFit background in it. Yeah. Uh, in your own words, it didn't work out the way you thought it would. But I think there's a lot of gold. There's a lot of value there. So can you just share a little bit about you know your CrossFit journey, why you became an owner, kind of what the experience looked like, maybe some really big highlights and also some big challenges and takeaways that our audience can learn from.
0: I love it. I went to chiropractic school from 2006 to 2010, and I started CrossFitting in November of 2007. And chiropractors are generally taught, like, yeah, you can fix pain, but this whole wellness model is really pushed. Like, you can see people forever, just help them stay healthy. And I didn't mm-hmm. like the idea of treating people to have them keep coming back to keep them healthy. So when I found CrossFit, I love the, the modality of it in order to keep people healthy and well. And so as I was doing it, I was like, oh, wait, hold on a second. The chiropractic practice should not be the, the hub of – a wellness type practice. It felt to me like it should be fitness because Mm -hmm. we all need to be fitness. We all need to be healthy. If people are working out well, they'll be eating well. So I knew that as soon as I graduated in 2010, I wanted to operate out of a CrossFit gym. So I started my practice in 2010 out of a CrossFit gym. In 2012, I opened my own CrossFit gym from 2012 to 2017. And it was awesome. I mean, um, there are a lot of things that I like about it. The community aspect, I know Fit Body Boot Camp does this as well. Um, people need community. We need our tribe. Um, yes. We need to move functionally. We need to move the way that nature intended for us to move. So that was wonderful. It was awesome to see people fit. I got to see how um, the whole Paleolithic diet framework used for people to lose weight and to heal their medical conditions. Um, I made a lot of mistakes in this gym. Um, yeah, I, a lot of mistakes, a lot of lessons. I partnered with individuals. I I got married to some business partners way too early. Mm -hmm. Um, we were dating after three to four months of knowing each other. Um, uh, that's not, I, I don't recommend that any of my friends get married to anybody unless it's been years and years of getting to know an individual, um, so we just didn't have the same allegiances, the same vision for where we were going. Um, I thought I thought that I was a, a powerful, intelligent enough individual to be able to handle my practice and the gym and Mm -hmm. I wasn't, so I was trying to skip steps in order to get to a place in the future that I saw I could have, but I was rushing things and it caused me to be not doing anything well. Mm -hmm. Um, Certain individuals in the gym were sleeping with other members in the gym and that was a complete fiasco. Horrible partnership agreement, a horrible partnership agreement that completely shot me in the foot, where um, three three of us, so two of my other business partners against one other individual, our other business partner, were essentially in a legal battle for like two years. Uh-huh. Um, we were so stressed out. Um, my business partner, Katie, who's actually my life partner now, she uh-huh. had such bad adrenal fatigue that she was teaching a, a, a power clean, and she actually passed out in front of the class. Um, she was so stressed about this whole situation. So, an uh, uh, ironclad partnership agreement is so vital if you're going to have partners. Um,
1: yeah, she, and would you even, Would w- you even recommend? And granted, there's probably no one size fits all, but you know, th- this isn't the, the first time I've ever heard of a partnership gone south. So, would you? What would your recommendation be to a, like a budding entrepreneur? Is it worth having a partner? Like, is it something that you should stay away? Curious on your insights from that experience.
0: Yeah, um, to be honest, it hasn't scared me away from having partners again. I do plan on having partners with the current doctors in our clinic in the future. I'm just gonna do it way differently, just okay. because I believe in. I believe that I don't know everything, and I want to share in the abundance and the resources and the liability and the risk. Um, but if I was the type of individual that had enormous energetic capacity to just go, 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 I am not one of those people anymore the way that I thought I was five, ten years ago. So I just don't want to – I've had adrenal fatigue at least twice in the last five to seven years. And it's pretty horrible. And I I just can't – I wouldn't be able to serve the people I want to serve just by myself. So therefore, that's why the the partnership thing is – It's a good option for an individual like myself who just believes in wanting to share. It just has to, I wanna date those individuals way longer than I did the first time.
1: Yeah, and then also too, um, in terms of like running the CrossFit, also your uh, chiropractic location, you said you had the CrossFit in 2012, 2017, so that five-year clip. How, were you running Barefoot Rehab in tandem with that? What was the, the, I guess, overlay in terms of, you know, having both, uh, I guess, facilities?
0: They were both coasting and neither of them were doing well. Um, Like I'm so grateful that the clinic is where it is today given the fact that I was trying to juggle these two giant things. But I wasn't in a place to be – I hadn't fully figured out certain things and delegated those things to individuals who I trusted before trying to – take on all the stuff. And that's my MO all my life is I'm going to do everything by myself right now. Mm-hmm. And I've had to suffer a lot to learn those lessons that I'm going to focus on one or two things over the quarter or three month period. And then until those things are done, I'm not going to go and look into the future because it doesn't work.
1: Yeah, like literally that touches me so much. Uh, And our business model here at Fit Body Bootcamp, Fitness Franchise Podcast, we basically started implementing what's called EOS, which stands for Entrepreneur Operating System. And it's just a framework of basically how to run the process behind your business. And I'm with you because I always have the idea for something in this or that. And before you know it, the ideas that I put forth aren't fully executed. So one of the values of the EOS uh, program is you're stuck to whatever your priorities that you set at the very beginning of the quarter to see those priorities through um, because I think that's probably uh, – and it's good to bring up because it's just a common probably issue and problem that a lot of entrepreneurs face. Would you say that's fair to say from your experience?
0: Yeah, man. I mean, how – and especially in the in the fitness world, I don't well, – Fit Body Boot Camp a little bit different but fucking – excuse my language. CrossFit, <laughs> um, like what happened in the CrossFit world is people would lose weight, and then not have any business experience, and be like, I want to start a business and own a gym, and not know how to structure the mindset around like what do I actually have to do and think about when I'm running a gym. So it's awesome that you guys have your teaching mindset to the people who are in Fit Body Bootcamp. That's amazing.
1: Yeah, well, it's probably the, the number one focus, at least to start and actually continue because it's, you know, the, you have a business model which works if you work it, but at the end of the day, it's what's happening in between your your, your, your six inches above your ears, right? So It's
0: everything. Well,
1: good. Well, well, unpacking the box, is there another, uh, like a last lesson from that CrossFit experience? I mean, you know, creating a a proper structure and expectation on partnership, um, having, you know, entrepreneurial experience prior, would there be one big other takeaway or learning lesson that you learned from that experience that you could basically share as as a piece of, I guess, advice or what, what to look out for for audience?
0: Yeah. I mean, I would study what I would definitely study what the top performers do, Um, the top performing fitness franchises like Fit Body Bootcamp, because I know the job that they're doing, Um, the top performing owners of those franchises or even the owners of other community-based fitness gyms, it's the, the fittest world can be hard to get into and to succeed at compared with other industries. And it can be done. And I'm even still attracted to it, even though I got out of that bad CrossFit experience. But I want to know what the top performers are doing and follow their recipe for success. Uh, not try to mess with the recipes of it before I actually understand The ingredients of a really successful gym because I was cocky. I was Mm -hmm. cocky and it bit me in the ass big time and Mm -hmm. um, it, it humbled me. So what are the best doing and following their footsteps?
1: yeah uh, sage advice my friend um, so speaking of you know performance and kind of modeling success uh, you're a huge guy into personal development I mean I feel like that's a you know from aside from being a healer that's a big calling and and how we initially met was uh, through a men's personal development you know uh, experience that you did out in California called the modern Day night Project and we've had a couple instructors on the show but uh, can you talk about you know that experience what attracted you to it why you did it and maybe some lessons that you learned from it?
0: Yeah, um, like I, I'm always somebody that just wants to push and like do my best. Um, I wasn't the biggest football player in high school or college, but I was definitely somebody who threw my body around mm-hmm. just because I, w- I wanted to leave my best on the field by the time I was done. So anything that really can help me grow, heal, develop is super, super attractive to me. And, um, I realized the value of discipline, of leadership, of communication. And I had been following Pedros for, I don't know, six months or a year, and mm-hmm. his his messages were always so on point that just reading a stupid Instagram post, I'd be like, okay, that's a game changer. Like that changed my life. And the fact that he was the person who was leading this program and facilitating it, I try to I try to focus what I purchase from or things that I do on the people who are leading it. Because if I think that their character is good and their values are good and there's somebody who I would like to be like, then Mm -hmm. I'm just going to do whatever they say. And so I liked his character. And so I went and did this whole program and I got to see a lot of what I'm made of and it allowed me to really shift um, the practice at that time, I think was maybe six, seven, eight people. We've doubled that. We have about 16 individuals in our practice. So I'm still working oh. out some kinks, but it's allowed me to step more into this leadership role. And even to the fact now um, it's run with a Navy SEAL and a Marine and an MMA guy, um, we call our staff Heal Team Six based on that entire um, uh. <laughs> leadership training, which our, our staff, they love it because they get it. Like Not everybody loves the military here, um, but they love the concept of having a mission, helping people heal, and also having each other's each other's back, so that we do mm-hmm. whatever we have to have our patients and our and our clients' backs. So it was a life changing experience. So much so that I've thought about reapplying to it and doing it again.
1: Oh, how funny! I don't think I've heard that, but uh, before, but that's <laughs> awesome. That's awesome, man. that's just a testament to your character <laughs> and wanting to get better, man. So
0: I appreciate uh, it. W-
1: well, good. Well, we will now kind of transitioning to really the, the meat and potatoes, which is really like your calling as an entrepreneur, but more importantly, as a healer, right? So I want to kind of showcase, you know, your experience, your story around launching Barefoot Rehab, um, you know, what's your big passion around, what's your zone of genius? Why did you do it? Um, what have been the highlights of it? And then also to some of the challenges and tribulations, you know, in your experience of, you know, this entrepreneur endeavor.
0: Yeah, I love it. I, my zone of genius feels to me like it's this ultra-rebellious archetype inside of me um, based on some of my shame and my wounds and things I learned as an adolescent combined with this amazing curiosity around what pragmatically produces results mm-hmm. and um, a very focused outcome of actually helping people heal. So it's like that trifecta that I feel is what I can bring value to as far as an individual who wants my help with chronic pain, suffering, whatever that might be. So um, when I was in chiropractic school, I was getting adjusted and they weren't working for me. I already had chronic pain by then. And I was like, hmm, shit, do I have to quit because I can't do something that, It's not working for me. Mm -hmm. And thank goodness that my mentor, Dr. Brady of Integrative Diagnosis, came and gave a speech. And he said he said, I don't believe that you can help everybody with chiropractic. However, I believe that you can help some people better than anybody else is helping them. And that population was chronic pain sufferers. And I Mm -hmm. learned about this pathology called adhesion. It's kind of like glue in muscles that causes tightness and weakness. It's to the point now where our clinic is the only clinic certified in New Jersey to find and fix adhesion. And we Mm -hmm. specialize in helping patients who have had pain more than six months and seen at least three doctors or therapists. We don't care to treat acute patients. We don't care to treat patients who only have a little bit of pain. We are seeking to transform someone's life by getting rid of their pain, by getting rid of adhesion. So um, it's become a really focused niche for us to the point where we've grown to four doctors. And that's the, the foundation for the work we do in our clinic. That's the main reason why people come. And then beyond that, I'm always open to exploring whatever helps people get out of pain. So I've dove into anti-inflammatory diets, um, meditation through Joe Dispenza's work, mm-hmm. um, the Wim Hof method, and then uh, a, a really deep dive, especially for myself when it comes to psychedelics.
1: Interesting. Um I want kind of talk that's a lot there to unpack specifically <laughs> yeah. to it yeah. to an adhesion we'll kind of take it from there that's something yeah. in, in watching you on social and, and obviously being friends but following you I think one of your zona of geniuses or at least outside eyes looking in why you've been so successful is you're just a passionate guy you're very authentic and when you put that energy out and you just so much care you have so much care and concern people are attracted to that and, and I think that's you know at least again from outside eyes one of the reasons that you've been successful talk to us. A little bit more about adhesion. How many people have adhesion? And I know that's a big focal point of, of a lot of the content uh, that you and teachings that you put out.
0: Yeah. For individuals between the ages of 30 to 50 years old, I would argue that adhesion is the most common cause of chronic pain by far. Mm-hmm. And it's also by far the most underdiagnosed. Nine out of ten of our patients in New Jersey have never, ever heard of this stuff. So it's Mm -hmm. a really big deal. Um, Some other types of therapists and doctors claim to treat it. Physical therapists, sometimes myofascial therapists, rolfers, We just happen to do it very, really, really well because my mentor, Dr. Brady, is a genius. But um, it restricts muscles, so it causes tightness. We use flexibility tests to determine where there's adhesion. Um, And it also causes muscles to be weak. It puts overload on discs in the low back, in the neck, on labrums in the hip, on cartilage in the knee. So pretty much... Any musculoskeletal condition for about 10 to 20 to 30 years before people turn 50, 60, 70, it starts as adhesion. So it's this major piece of pain healthcare that is not being talked about enough. It's starting to be talked about more. Um, But frankly, it's really hard for doctors and therapists to learn this well. And I haven't found many people who are willing to invest the time and energy that myself and our doctors are invested in to get better, which is why there aren't a lot of adhesion specialists
1: interesting um, and that's probably why uh, would it be fair to say you're so passionate about it and I guess have you do you have adhesions in, and do
0: you work them on yourself and your team as well they're everywhere dude yeah. um, I if I had to bet like for if 99 if a hundred patients came in the door of a random population, i mean 90 to 95 of them would have significant enough adhesion that they might uh-huh. want to get it removed to increase flexibility so it might be the, it might not be the type of thing where they have significant pain but they might have um, for their ankle range of motion, it's supposed to be six inches. The knee to the wall. They might have five inches instead of six, and mm-hmm. that's a sixteen percent restriction. That's eighty-four percent. If they're a runner or they're an athlete, they might be like, you know what? I want a hundred percent capacity in my ankle. So can you remove the adhesion from my calf? Mm-hmm. So it's it's yeah, it's tiny little restrictions and flexibility that show where the adhesion's possibly there. Interesting.
1: Copy that. We'll. Um... On that note, and, and again, you kind of laid out a lot of what you do with within Bearhab. One of those was psychedelics, which we just talked about, and we've shared some you know medical experiences together. Uh, for me, I'm a recovering alcoholic, and it's not something I'm overly proud to or excited to share, but that's the truth, the the, the situation. And working with you in some of these these medicines as actually there, there's been a couple big eye opening experiences and really shifts yeah. in my mentality, specific to the relationship. So I don't yeah. know how comfortable you are sharing, but would love to yeah. kind of you know at least open it up for you to kind of some insight to our viewers.
0: Yeah, I'm happy to share. Um, These medicines are still illegal, the psychedelic medicines, but they have changed my life and my partner Katie's life so much that I share my experiences with our patients and people who ask about it because um, these are becoming the gold standard treatments for things like PTSD Um, MDMA or ecstasy is the gold standard for PTSD magic mushrooms or psilocybin cubensis is the the breakthrough therapy for depression Um, ketamine helps with depression these things help with anxiety and and negative repressed emotions all these types of different things the very first time I drank ayahuasca 8 years ago um, it took a while for it to kick in and eventually when it did I remember thinking that very first day huh this is what love feels like. What? Yeah. This is what love feels like? And this plant, tea, made me feel more love than I've ever felt in my entire life? What the fuck? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, I was hooked. And I've done a ridiculous amount of ayahuasca, magic mushrooms, MDMA, ketamine, um, I've done Bufo a few times, and these all, these all show us a different perspective on consciousness that allows us to look at both our conscious and subconscious minds, see what's been buried, see what's been repressed. Um, we've had patients who have done ceremonies or medicines with different people. The adhesion treatment's not working for them. They'll come back in after mushrooms or ayahuasca and be like, I'm 75% better. Mm -hmm. And not only that, but a month later, they're like, my pain's still better. And that's because they dug into some emotional garbage that was buried in their psyche and they let it out. Mm -hmm. And then they were not only out of pain, but they were much happier and more joyful by consuming these medicines. It's ridiculous.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm even hesitant to say because that's just, I feel like human nature and there's a stigma around it, but I yeah. certainly was was very cautious and skeptical, I would say, when first learning about it. But going in a couple of experiences with you specific to MDMA has actually, and this is actually the first time I've shared this openly. Um, Love it. But Ch- changed my life actually in, in two outlooks in the energy and kind of the, the level of consciousness we're, ga- we're, we're around two relationships one with my mom and one with my sister um, and I think the breakthroughs that I've had have exponentially better my relationships there um, so I want to acknowledge you for that and just something it. from a talking point because you added so much value in my life I wanted to at least share it with, with our audi- audience and listeners at home.
0: And- Again, I love your vulnerability and authenticity and I appreciate your trust. Um, yeah, the the MD I just watched there's a documentary called Trip of Compassion that came out about a year and a half ago about how MDMA helps people who have trauma. And I firmly believe that one hundred percent of us Have trauma, whether it's Mm -hmm. big T trauma or whether it's little t trauma. So it could just be that some bully did something to us in the fifth grade and that traumatized us and that we've been carrying this thing with us for the rest of our lives. And the MDMA specifically allows us to feel our body and be so inside this me suit, more so than anything could make us present in. And that allows us to go and look at those wounds and traumas and be complete and integrated with it. So I love that what you shared about those relationships because that's what it's all about is how when we heal ourselves, the people in our lives get the benefit.
1: Yeah. Well, like I said, I want to acknowledge you for that. You do incredible work, and certainly there's a lot to unpack. But uh, you know, I want to kind of touch on that. Uh, Now, kind of shifting gears, still within you know your practice, uh, I want to kind of talk a little bit about your the business aspect of it because really our audience are you know excited, um, either maybe have launched a a wellness or a fitness business, or they want to launch um, a business, whether it be fitness or franchising. So just in general, so I just want to kind of. You know, get it, get into, get some insight from you on how the journey has been. Um, how you know, what have been the big highlights in terms from a business perspective? How did you become a great marketer and leader? Um, and kind of, what does it really take in order to run a successful practice like you've done? You know, over the last you know going on you know five plus years.
0: Yeah, I appreciate it. Um, I think most people probably know in their blood if they're an entrepreneur or not. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not. It's not the easy path I think it would have been easier to get a job and to let somebody else tell me what to do Um, there's fear and there's risk around not only do I have to support myself and my family but I have to also support the people who are working as heal team six in our clinic and I have to make sure that the patients are getting served for coming in here so it's just a lot of responsibility Mm -hmm. Um, and if you're somebody who wants to get into health and wellness really knowing where your heart sits with that like is this something that you truly will bleed sweat and die for i think is a really important question when it comes to anything that transforms transforms health so it's it's been quite the journey we have to be willing and open to learning a lot of different skill sets, at least in the beginning until we can delegate those various skill sets. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, learning copywriting and buying courses for that and then learning different platforms and Instagram, now TikTok, before that YouTube, Facebook, uh, Mm -hmm. learning how to lead. Even learning how to do – I suck with – just business infrastructure, like mm-hmm. making sure that I get the right forms when we hire somebody to, to, to so we can pay them appropriately or so that right. we have their agreements. And so now we're at a point where we have somebody who's stepping into an operations role for us because I suck at it, and mm-hmm. it's, not, it's I'm not good at it, and I'm only just holding us back every time that I focus there. So um, doing what it, we can in the beginning, mastering those skill sets. And then as soon as we're able to, because we have enough resources, finding people who we can trust, who believe fully into the vision that we're creating for the world, and then giving them the keys to the kingdom and making sure that they're being rewarded nicely, handsomely for helping serve the mission that we say that we want to serve. Like That's been the overarching part of, of my entrepreneurial path in the clinic.
1: Yeah. And, and there's just so much there to unpack, right? Like, you know, you being a doctor, obviously leading the practice, but you talk about the leadership, the operations, the HR. I mean, there's so much work that goes involved in, you know, any entrepreneur's uh, life. What would you say, you know, your, you know, 80, 90% focus, um, is it on one specific aspect of your business or is it just, you know, kind of overseeing the whole ship? Um, I think that'd be valuable, you know, yeah. to the up-and-coming practitioner to kind of get some insights what it is like from a focus perspective and running a successful practice like you have
0: yeah I love it I'm realizing that where I should be spending the most of my time that I never really realized this before last year I had actually a patient who's been a patient for a few years Um, she she said to me she's like Chris you see stuff and I said what (laughs) she said you see stuff and I was like, what? I have vision? Okay, got it. It took me months. I'm realizing that I see where things could go. Mm-hmm. And I need to like Jocko Willing talks in his book that the the leader of the Navy SEAL group, he as soon as he starts grabbing a gun and shooting, he's not having his eyes 360 around everything that's going around so he can't figure out what he need what the group needs to do so he needs to never ever grab a gun he lets his people grab the gun i need to stop grabbing the metaphorical gun or being in the day-to-day and allow myself the space to really see, to connect the dots, to incorporate different types of healing, to allow people to heal. Like last year during COVID, we started including a lot of Joe Dispenza's meditations, accessing mm-hmm. the the mystical formula for healing, um, accessing the quantum field. So that's something that I wouldn't have been able to do if I was just doing the day-to-day so much. Mm-hmm. So it's Connecting dots is how I view my role, um, and I think a really good business owner. I remember Bedros at one point. He said, "If I'm if I'm doing my job as a leader, it looks like I'm doing nothing," and that made sense to me. Yeah. Is the leader should be putting the right people and systems in place?
1: Yeah. Amen to that. Um, so, if you're going to unpack this experience from a 30,000 foot view, and you kind of touched upon this already, but what would you say, you know, not only is your zone of focus, which you just kind of articulated, but what is your zone of genius? Why has Dr. Chris been so successful in kind of creating this? And then kind of go hand in hand, probably not only your zone of genius, but what is you, just your true passion? I'm curious on those, you know, that two part question.
0: Yeah, one of my signature strengths, signature strengths from a positive psychology perspective is definitely uh, an insatiable curiosity. I love reading. When I'm really stressed out or I'm not doing well, I'm not reading books and that's a sign to me that something is wrong. Mm-hmm. So because of my love for reading books, which is funny, my three-year-old bear, who you met, and um, yeah, yeah. he he loves reading. He loves it. It's so fun. I love it. Um, so that that curiosity combined with the rebelliousness of myself, it allows me to not do the conventional thing. I I just I'm very focused on results, whatever I might have to do to get them, and. That just creates a recipe that people can often see that the way I live my life is I want to allow a space for people to do the fucking healing that mm-hmm. they have been wanting to do for decades of their lives. And that just being willing to entertain a lot of different options. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense. Rebelliousness with curiosity put together. It-
1: Amen. And I think that's a big learning lesson because most times I feel like entrepreneurs do have that seed of rebelliousness because they are not happy or satisfied with the status quo. That's why they're willing to take massive risk, right? Put everything in line in order to see their vision come to life. And then to your point of having this insatiable, you call it like I call it passion, but in your words, the curiosity, it's like that curiosity drives you to be better, drives you to become better at your craft. And when you do that, you elevate, you can add value and certainly make it a win for everyone.
0: Dude, a thousand percent. I think Seth Godin said that when you – like the, the people who make the world are the business owners because mm-hmm. inside of your business, you get to create a world with rules and guidelines and values. So I love that you said that, that, yeah, the entrepreneurs typically are the rebels.
1: Yeah. Touche. Well, Dr. Chris, man, this has been awesome. I know I would love to keep you forever, but you're a busy guy with the practice. So um, I do actually have a little lightning round for you, just with some fun questions to basically hammer out to allow you to provide some parting wisdom to our audience. Kind um, of again taking a step back, uh, you know, from the successful operator um, and chiropractor uh, with a very successful practice that you are today. Before all that happened. Um, and looking at your former uh, version, a younger self, what was the one thing in your way that was holding you back? And the reason that's valuable for you to be is because there's our audience has that one thing right, and they want some inspiration. So, curious, what your one thing was holding back? How did you c- overcome it?
0: Hundred percent emotional wounds. <laughs> Just my my old emotional shit, the past. The, I firmly believe uh, human beings are creators. We're gods. We can do anything we want to. Mm-hmm. And if we're not doing the thing that our heart makes us come alive, it's because we have old crap that we haven't – old garbage that we haven't taken out to the street. So the garbage man can take it away. So um, – and then it's just focused on doing whatever I could to heal um, between the psychedelics, reading, meditating. Uh, recently I've been getting into EMDR, um, Imago therapy for my partner Katie and I. Um yeah, anything, anything and everything to heal. Awesome.
1: Uh, next up, you're in the business of giving great advice to your clients and those who follow you. Uh, what would you say, in your words, is the best advice you've ever received and why?
0: The advice that's been sticking with me the most in, over the past few months, um, it was actually Bedros who told it to me. Um, stop trying to figure out how. Um, ask yourself who. All my life, I've done everything by myself um, mm-hmm. even at the project I got in trouble a bunch of times because I was running away from my boat crew um, it, so for me trusting people around me finding people who I could see that they get our mission they get their vision and that we're going in the same place I want to continue to find out who can help me create this world that I see
1: Beautiful. Um, next up, uh, success is about ha- creating habits. Uh, what would you say is a habit that you've adopted in your personal life that has been really you know, a catalyst for the success that you've achieved, but either personal or professional?
0: Yeah. One of my favorite thought experiments is a meditation that I call the deathbed meditation. I think I got it from a stoic practice. I don't remember, but almost every day, if not for a minute or more than that, 10 minutes, Very often, I'm constantly thinking about what it's going to feel like to be on my deathbed. And I see myself as an old-ass man, 110 years old, whatever, surrounded by my children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, grandchildren, grandchildren, all the people that I've been able to impact in my life, all the people I get to serve in the beautiful home that I'm imagining creating. And um, whenever it comes to an important decision or choice, I go there and then I talk to myself here so I allow that deathbed self to dictate the actions that I need to take now no matter how scared or resistant or how much I don't want to do something deathbed chris almost always wins yeah so that a- habit
1: that's amazing. And we haven't actually talked about this, but it doesn't surprise me uh, that you referenced Stoa philosophy, which I'm a huge fan of. And sometimes the negative connotation, it could be a little dark, et cetera. But I think if you look with that, you know, kind of reverse engineering your life mentality, which you just, you know, laid out and, and yeah. probably better articulated, um, <laughs> you're, you're going to always make the right decision, right? When you have that perspective in mind.
0: It's, you're, you're, ta- you're getting your own ego out of the way. And that's that's why it works.
1: Yeah. All right. Next up, leaders are readers. You referenced, you know, one of the things that you love, uh, you know, is to read and, you know, if you're not reading, kind of something's off tilt. What would you say is your best uh, book recommendation for Fitness Franchise Nation and why?
0: This may be a little bit unconventional. Um, Awareness by Anthony DeMello. It was a book that I kept hearing about over and over and over again on Tim Ferriss's podcast, and I kept resisting it, and then I picked it up and read it. Um, This guy used to be a priest, but then he wasn't like one denomination. He kind of had a very multifactorial background from Mm -hmm. different religions and spiritual practices, and it's just about living with your eyes wide open. just becoming aware of everything in your environment. There is a spiritual aspect to it. And one of the things that really stuck with me then is that if you're being aware and eyes wide open spiritual, you are being selfish. So you need to take care of your own consciousness and meat suit first before anybody else's. And if anybody else outside of you is telling you that you're selfish, um, that person's crazy. <laughs> so awareness by Anthony Damello was one of the best books I've probably read in f- five years.
1: Awesome. Noted. I actually haven't read that, uh, which is, uh, which is good. So it's on my list.
0: Love it. I'll send All it right. To next
1: you. up. I I don't always ask this question. Uh, It just depends. It comes up now and again. But you're such a deep guy, which I just love and have so much respect for. So it's a bit deep question, but I think it's valuable for our audience um, to know what are the core elements, what what should be your priorities be from a business perspective. So hypothetically, Dr. Chris, um, all the success that you've achieved to date has been wiped away from you. However, when you wake up tomorrow... You still have all the knowledge that you've acquired um, over the last few decades of your you know, experience and life. Um, what would your next 30 days look like to basically reconstruct the life uh, from a personal or business perspective? What would that th- those next 30 days look like?
0: I love it. This is amazing. I love thought experiments like this. So yeah, this is very easy and I actually got this from the Stoics as well. Um, I would find the most... So for me, for Chris, I have probably about five to ten people in my life who I've thought about or I continue to think about dropping all my shit and just going to that person and being like, yo, I'm at your service. Let's go. So what I would do is I would find the most influential person around me who was doing the thing that I was most passionate about that had a, a massive vision that could contain my vision for my life inside of it. Mm-hmm. And I would take the $500 – do some research, spend that $500 on the thing that would show that individual how serious I was to come on board and serve that person. And then I would serve that person according to the canvas strategy. I believe Ryan Holiday talks about this. I would just canvas or clear out the path in front of them so that they could go as far and as fast as possible. Um, and then Ultimately, inevitably, what typically happens is if you continue to clear the path out for an individual, eventually that person comes back and look at you and says, oh, wait a second. What do you want? You've helped me so much in your life. I think I want to do something for you. So what can I do for you? And I would just serve them until I got that opportunity to to have an ask.
1: Yeah and that's and I guess the foundational in that and kind of is really modeling success right and and yeah. serving and providing value um, and also the law of reciprocity there's just a lot of things that uh, again uh, that we can unpack f- from that and that's a it's an incredible answer so thank you thank you Bryce all right, my friend. So um, we're almost out of time here. Uh, I want to make sure though to tee up and be able to give uh, our audience a way to connect with you. And I'll certainly kind of tee up our media team as well. to hit a graphic on the screen. Um, you know, number one, where can our audience connect with you? And number two, where, what would be a last parting piece of wisdom that would benefit our audience either life, whether it be personal or business perspective?
0: Yeah. Um, Barefoot Rehab on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. Um, you can contact us, DM us. If you DM us on Instagram, my team will just let me know that um, you're contacting from, the, from Bryce's podcast. And awesome. you can communicate me from there. Um, yeah. If I was going to die tomorrow, what one piece of wisdom would I want my, my kids to know but also share for the podcast? Sure. Um, trust your emotions. I don't see enough people talking about it in 2021. Our emotions are superpowers. Our society does not teach people how to feel. There's massive fear and darkness in our society right now. Um, Our emotions have messages that come from our spirit that are trying to help show us our path and our way. And when we shut those emotions down, it inevitably causes more suffering. And if you learn how to feel those emotions very, very deeply... This entire world opens up that is really unexplainable.
1: Profound, man. Love it, my friend. Thank you so much. And um, this has been awesome. I was super excited about this interview, and this has even over exceeded my expectations. Um, before we let you off uh, run for the day, um, Dr. Chris, man, I just want to acknowledge you uh, for being who you are. Um, <laughs> as I mentioned earlier, like your heart, your energy um, is is really, I guess, um is incredible. And you really bring a lot of value to someone's life. And you've done that for me. Um, and you've really empowered me uh, to be the better version of myself because of your uh, vulnerability and authenticity. And I know it's not about me because you've done that for an incredibly amount of people in your community and all the people that you've helped worldwide. Uh, so for that, I want to thank you. I want to acknowledge you. And certainly, uh, thank you for being on the show today, my friend.
0: It's so mutual, man. I, um, I love who you are. I love staying connected with you. I look forward to growing into old men with you.
1: (laughs) Love it. All right, Dr. Griss. Thanks, man. Have an awesome day and talk to you soon. All right,
0: brother? You too, my friend.